we're live. We're live. It's very exciting. Good job by us. <laughs> hey, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Um, and by the way, so I see Mark and Kathy and anybody else. So this today, um, if you didn't see in the announcement, um, we are basically doing a review of this year, as Terrence putting in the um, comments. And it's so we wanted to start off. We were in the green room before this, and Mike was starting to talk about what's going on with the, the vaccines. I'm like, wait, we got to talk about this. Slide. Save it for the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so go ahead and say what you were going to say, Mike. Well, it's just crazy that uh, you know Moderna comes in with a 94.5, which uh, you know is like you round that up to an A plus. Right. But then Pfizer comes in at 0.5 more right. at 95 percent when they originally said it was greater than 90 percent. It's just flashbacks to uh, to a competitive uh, public high school on Long Island uh, in the in the mid '80s, where it's like, "Oh, you only got a 94.5. We get a 95. <laughs> <laughs> Please, you both, you both get A pluses." Yes. But uh, but yeah, that was. I mean, that's at least some hopeful news, right? So like that. I mean, this is it's interesting because I wrote a piece in um, me. I have my Medium blog, and. Mm -hmm. Literally on Thursday, um, you know, I, I felt like uh, this weight had lifted off because we, we finally are hearing good yeah. news about a vaccine mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. no, Mark, you cannot be 0.5 vaccinated. Mark, if you're not careful, I'm going to pull you up here to talk with us. And that's not a vi idle threat. <laughs> In any case. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, the problem is, is it's we're going through this dark tunnel, right? I mean, things are getting worse, even here yeah. in California. You know, mm -hmm. I thought we had a pretty good handle on it here. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's great news about the vaccines and everything, but we're still in this, you know, we're still in, um, you know, as my husband likes yeah. to call it, hockey stick, you know. Right, and right. The hockey it feels, stick. yeah, it almost feels like, uh, you know, you want the deus ex machina to happen before things get really, really bad. But it's almost like if the, if the crazy save comes in later than you want, which it seems like that's there's going to be a little bit of that. Like it is, it's going to be a tough. It's likely going to be a tough winter. Even I saw um, Iowa's governor made a reversal on uh, masks, oh, yeah. uh, which uh, which was really Iowa is like you know they yeah. So it's it's interesting. My husband he's an engineer, so he's been following this stuff really closely. Yeah, finally they made the the, the thing. Yeah. Then, so um, you know that he's been following North Dakota and South Dakota because they they were trending. Yeah. Very high, but then Iowa just suddenly just yeah. started heating up. Yeah, right, so, right. Okay, I'm sorry, Mark. I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to pull yeah, you. Yeah, Matt, Mark, Mark, you want to come on? Yeah, we're gonna send you an invite, so you're welcome to join us. Hopefully, you're. Uh... Discussion because I want to hear about Davenport, but um, you know, my son is at Lewis and Clark in Portland, and they've been doing really well. And but Oregon, more generally, is seeing a real spike, and right. um, they're they're having issues. So. Mm -hmm. you know, it, he's coming home on, um, he actually got a COVID test this week. So we can ah. be sure he's going to be okay. And then right. drive home on Saturday and he'll be home until mid January. And we don't, right. they're obviously they're going to have court classes. The question is, will he be able to go back? And, oh, and they're going to, they're going to have, they, so they'll go home for Thanksgiving and then back for, no, no, no. they don't go okay. back until January. So, okay. But the next semester, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, toggle terming. That's what. Right. So, so this is our review show, and one of the things we were talking about is, is you know when we had Brian Alexander and Richard Corsi on the show, and you know Brian was talking about that toggle term, and you know, hey Mark, <laughs> how it you was doing? Not my intention. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> it was absolutely not my intention to weasel my way into your show. Oh please. If you've ever seen Brian Alexander's, uh, uh, you know, uh, future trends. Um, yes, this I is the mini Alexander. I had it done at a very nice uh, boutique recently. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Anyway. So, yeah, we're, we're pulling a Brian Alexander here and pulling you in. And because I remember one time he asked me to just kind of be on, the, you know, not be on the show, but, you know, he, he said, oh, come and watch and maybe you'll be sure. interested. And then he calls me in and ends up keeping me on the show the entire hour. <laughs> So it was fine. But tell us what's going on in Davenport. Well, Iowa is, is uh, you're exactly right. It's just it. And, you know, it was it was just a matter of time here. Um, our governor is um, a very nice person, apparently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, clearly takes a particular view about uh, science that she may have received from a rather unscientific uh, source. Mm-hmm. And um, Davenport just happens to be on the right on the border of Illinois and Iowa for people yeah. who don't know, people who've not done nothing more than fly over us. Um, I feel like like Mark Twain uh, had some uh, Iowa that David are you Davenport yeah, he's Mississippi River connection. He yeah. he's a little downriver from here. Uh, uh-huh. Hannibal, Missouri is where uh, uh-huh. his, his roots are. Yeah. Um, although yeah. you never know, his 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 Huck Finn adventures might have taken him this far north. I, I don't I, know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, um, yeah, yeah I. I Illinois just shut down hard um, during the first wave. Mm-hmm. And so guess what? All the folks in Illinois that just didn't want to shut down, what'd they do? They just drove over to Iowa, mm-hmm. hang out in all of our bars and restaurants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because thank you, Illinois. Yeah. Um, but it it was just a matter of, of time in, in Iowa. And we've already had, uh, you've, you've seen it in the, in the national press, the university of Iowa and Iowa state, uh, had major outbreaks in both of those towns when, when, uh, the, the uh, college year started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was really just a matter of time here. And, um, it, if people just don't want the pandemic to be so, apparently they can act <laughs> in yeah. that very way. Yeah. But science has a way of biting you in the uh, proverbial uh, backside. Yeah. And we're in the middle of that now. Yeah. 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 I know. It's also, and- it's also one of those things where I think until things get really dire, frequently folks are not going to be scared straight, which is I'm in Brooklyn. Like it got really bad here in March and April. So like people, are kind of scared have been scared straight since um yeah. since right. april really you know so like and then there are ways to be uh, safe and out in a somewhat densely populated place you know so like we're, we're proof of that but uh but it's almost it's almost like it has to get otherwise it's just an abstraction i think and um sadly you know like i, yeah. I think it's it's hard to get everybody that proactive without them really feeling it you know, it's it's almost like really the hospital capacity is the mm-hmm. is the thing that we're really talking about, and I think that's really what we're going to be watching. Um, right. It was when you know you heard that the ambulances in New York City yeah. were just every few minutes, mm-hmm. and you know yep. the the refrigerator trucks, and we're seeing that in El Paso yep. now, mm-hmm. and the tent cities, you know, yeah. for, for the moderately sick, and and all these different things, and mm-hmm. and you know, I'm sure you've both heard the story about the nurse. You know, I think she talked to CNN about yes. people who, to the very bitter end, you know, mm-hmm. were just saying, "I can't have COVID; yeah. it's a hoax." <laughs> you yeah. know, it, um, so yeah, it's it's really yeah. So and even Terrence is hearing in Florida that people are are still claiming it's fake, even though the hospitals are. It's like, do you yeah. not? What I mean. Okay, so what you think it's it doesn't matter if it's COVID or the flu right. or whatever. People are getting sick and going into the hospital. You yeah, know? and oh I think that's I, I think that's the place too. Is like more um, if you know people who work in in healthcare. If you know you know nurses or EMTs or people who are are really on the front lines of that. You know doctors, obviously. Um, that's when I think it it changes your perspective. And also, if you have someone who you've lost or someone close to you who's, who had a really close scare, I think. Um, and then sadly it does look like the numbers are, are increasing to the point that more people will, will have that experience or will know someone close to them who has that experience. And I think that, you know, that, and the fact that it also works, you know, like it doesn't fully, fully prevent transmission, but it definitely slows the, it's the whole flattening the curve thing. Like we were able to do that in New York. Um, Sadly, it's rising again here now too, but but more slowly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Same but um, yeah. But no. Your I mean, point about being it being in an abstraction, I think, is so dead on, um, mm-hmm. and it rings true out here. Um, you know, it is something where if if your circle of, I mean, it, it's sort of like the large. It's it, this is this perfect storm for, as an example of the larger problem we have in our body politic, where if you've just surrounded yourselves with people who all believe the same thing, sort of, and are enthusiastic about only allowing that sort of belief system in your group, mm-hmm. um, 
that's just that much harder to bang your way into that group with truth that doesn't comport with their belief system. Yeah. And COVID is such a perfect example of that. So, you know, you have a one out of 10 chance of, you know, getting quite sick, right? Thereabouts, right? right. And let's use that as an arbitrary number. Well, even then, if you're in that nine of 10 group for a while, that just sort of strengthens your resolve to believe, yeah, yeah it's really not that bad. And uh, this is all things a hoax and da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, if you happen to be one of those folks who have an unfortunate overlap with five of ones of tens. Right, right. All of a sudden, it's, it's a completely, but yeah. um, science has a way of, of winning out. Right. Well, I, I think the related the related idea uh, that I've been thinking more about is how much folks are avoiding care mm -hmm. due to the pandemic, and how much that is increasing the lethality of diseases once they're actually caught, uh, and then also folks who are just dying due to like chronic, uh, you know, chronic medical conditions that they would have sought care sooner. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and then on top of that, it's still in an emergency situation where you actually do need an ICU, you know, depending on where you are and how much they're they're distracted by, uh, you know, fighting COVID. Um, that's the thing that was really the shock to the system. I think when we saw it happen in Italy and then mm -hmm. we basically saw the same thing happening uh, in New York and some other uh, places, that was where it was like, whoa, this stuff is yeah. serious. We're going to see it in the Midwest. I think it, it does feel yeah. like that that sort of limited hospital capacity, especially, and it's hitting rural America, which is really um, kind of interesting as well. Where like it was it was very much hit the urban centers first, and now it's more like yeah. rural hospitals and you know smaller communities are seeing spikes. Mm -hmm. as, as horrible as it is, you know when when Chris Christie got sick and he was in the ICU for a week. All of a sudden, it became much more serious and far more people started to take it seriously. Mm. Just yesterday, um, Senator Grassley, our senior senator yeah, from right. Iowa, 87-year-old oh guy, yeah. um, tested positive for COVID. Oh, he did? Okay. And I heard he, he was quarantining. I didn't hear he tested yeah, positive. He, he tested positive. Um, that was right. There was two sort of couple hours apart announcements. Mm. Um, and... You know, right away, the first announcement is I'm going to follow my doctor's advice and, you know, right down the line of whatever everybody's supposed to do. Um, and, you know, I I very much hope that he um, is does not have serious problems and he recovers and all these other things. Yeah. But sadly, it's it's those kinds of moments that have that have the effect of sort of waking people up. And yeah. it's very sad that this is what we have to get to. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, because Herman Herman Cain died, right? Did yes, Herman, he did. He died of COVID, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he wasn't as much of an insider, but um, well, he went he to one of those rallies. Of, you know, at least right. a name you could yeah. say you'd heard of, right? Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and yep. then um, you know Ben Carson. Um, we haven't heard anything about his condition, and mm. since he uh, tested no, we haven't. Positive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. and you know, and Tarrant makes a good point in the comments. You know, rural America, and and actually, before I, I get to that, um, I want to get to her question, which is, I, I don't know if you've heard what's going on at Grinnell and if they are doing any better than University of Iowa. Um, so I haven't heard much about Grinnell, um, but there's some really interesting examples. Uh, in again, I say out here as if I'm out on some sort of scout outpost. Um, but out here, um, there are almost every small college still tried to start up in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's like my son's college. Because they sort of, their financial model didn't allow yeah. them to do anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, many of them have done very well to keep the numbers of cases down very low. Yeah. And it seems like the, there's there's an interesting study in there somewhere about um, going to these small institutions and, and identifying the degree to which there's real buy-in amongst the student body yeah. that this is our community and we need to do things to take care of it. Yeah. Um, and there's a and holding that in contrast to the University of Iowa and Iowa State, 
um, in the outbreaks that happened there or some of the other places yeah. like UNC Charlotte or UNC Chapel Hill, for example. Yeah. Well, it's also, um, uh, I think it's also a bit of a numbers game too, just in terms of the, there's so many students and the mm -hmm. likely that they're going to be aggregating in bigger numbers versus your smaller, uh, smaller private colleges are more likely going to have a little more uh, space. Uh, mm -hmm. And also, and, and then the smaller town, uh, the, the quintessential college town in the U.S., like small town college, um, is probably the challenge. There is more like the parties and the the frats and like whatever else might happen. Uh, but still, it's probably not going to be as bad as it would be in a, a really large state school, which is where you do see the 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 really big numbers. Um, and then uh, and then we always do this week in college football. Uh, any. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything of note? I, I forget, uh, you know, has how has Iowa, you know, it's what's crazy is I mentioned Iowa and then you magically have appeared, uh, Mark. It was like, it was like, we really yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. But um, was anything crazy on the, 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 the sports side this, this week? I was trying to think about that. Uh, not re nothing jumped out, right? Um, there have been more and more, um, outbreaks on uh football teams and right. games being canceled mm -hmm. um right which uh is real interesting when you see these schools say yep okay that game's canceled that game's going to be canceled that game's going to be canceled um and you have whole sections of the team uh on quarantine um my beloved minnesota gophers their first game of the season Nobody on the kicking teams or or any of the kickers were available because mm -hmm. they all lived together mm -hmm. in a house off campus and one yeah. of them tested positive. And so the entire kicking squad was um, what's going on with kickers. The Giants uh, kicker uh, just has Graham Gano just tested positive as well. Is it something that's uh, maybe like when you really stretch your uh, stretch your legs out, when you stretch your hammies out, it makes you more susceptible to uh to the virus i don't know but kickers huh hmm interesting something something hmm. yeah yeah and then mark what so you're aside from being from iowa uh you also work in uh in higher education in some capacity did you want to uh, catch oh, uh, well, catch us up a little I can introduce him because oh, yeah mark and i know each have been known each other for a while he he's yeah, does that's Yes, I'm a big fan of his because he's created a well. Do you call it an app or a you know, website? Um, uh, a thingamadoodle that exists in the cyberspace deal. Yes, it's it's in the interwebs. And nice. in any case, the goal is to demystify the financial aid process and mm. actually allow people to negotiate. Because what pe the one thing people don't know about. Um, you know, financial aid and all of that is that you can negotiate. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to have the most information you can have. And so Mark has been collecting information about financial aid awards and so mm -hmm. on and so forth that when you get that financial aid award and, and if you need more, you can find out, okay, what are they doing for everybody else? Mm -hmm. Did I, did I introduce you properly? <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Um, the, you're always very kind, Terry. So um, <laughs> yes, the, the, in essence, um, the, the tuition fit is is just about let's create a way for the public to create college price transparency because mm -hmm. the public has all of the financial aid award letters every year, yeah. millions of them get mailed out and they're sitting on kitchen counters or now uh, online portals um, across the country. And every student's got, you know, one little bit of that giant data set. Mm -hmm. So if you just share it to a single place, um, you create a Kelly Blue Book for college prices or True Car or whatever metaphor you want. Yeah. Um, and then it's a free exchange of information. So the student shares information. They get to see what other students like them have shared. Yep. And um, it gives the public uh, a little bit more of an even playing field. Um, an even place in the in the college admissions process. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I will say though, part of the reason that we started this is that um, transparency is a necessity now for institutions too. The mm -hmm. old old school notion that price signals your quality um, just yep. that's not the signal that the public's getting. The public signal the signal the public's getting is why waste my time 
yeah. talking to school X or school Y because that right. price five times outside of my my range. Yeah. And what the family doesn't know is that school is also discounting the average student yeah. at that school four and a half times off the right. range. So well, that's, that's, it's a great yeah. fit. Yeah. But you, it's, you do the normal human thing and say, there's no chance. I'm not going to waste my time right. on looking at something. There's no way they're ever going to happen. Yeah. And that's the absurdity of the whole thing is that for many cases, for many students, it's an entirely plausible possibility, but right. you would never know that. So Yeah, that's it right. takes, takes us back to our very first uh, episode of This Week in Higher Ed, where we talked about tuition uh, tuition discounting, uh, which yeah. was, uh, you know, uh, Megan Novacelli, I think, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, because we were supposed to reflect uh, back uh, through through the years too. So that was we wanted to get perspective from Iowa, which was a uh, an amazing bonus. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, we did want to understand, uh, you know, some of the trends you're talking about, uh, Mark, are right in line with some of the stuff that we've been tracking really throughout the year. Uh, and then even Grinnell, which uh, I think T Tarrant mentioned, uh, Grinnell, they also uh, were in the news as well yeah, recently for their. Um, plan to go loan free in uh, the, I guess the, for the fall of 2021. Next fall. Next fall yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Uh, any perspective from either of you on that? Cause I thought that was a really interesting um, trend. The other article that I shared uh, in the chat, I, I can put it back here uh, again, as well as um, university. Yeah. UT Austin. Yeah. Um, my, my old, yeah, there. which is your stomping ground, uh, yeah. but, but around around Pell Grants, which also seems like another one to well, bring yeah. bring Mark's perspective in as well, because I think that's kind of part of the the it's whole universe that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll start off because I think it's really interesting. I think what's we're going to see we're going to see this more and more because I think, especially now that the well, the, first of all, there was the pressure that existed even before COVID, and then COVID put more pressure on pricing, and now we're seeing you know. A candidate who is now our president-elect, who is saying we're, you know, we're going to basically make sure that we cut back on these student loans and things like that. So, the people who could be hurt the most by this is privates, right? And private need to be able to attract students, and you know, who um, are coming with significant financial aid because you know that's it's better than trying just trying to cut their prices. Oops, Mike, we lost Mike for a second there, but um, you know, in any case. Oops, what's going on? Okay. Huh. Well, I can still see, can you hear me still, Mark? Oh my goodness, we're having a... Okay, here we go. <laughs> that was strange. <laughs> we had a little internet blurp there and uh, I'm sure Mike will be back any minute now. Okay, anyway. yeah. I was saying that I thought um, I was running the show for a second, and I thought that's yeah, not I what I said before. I just dropped in. <laughs> I know. Well, thank goodness you're here, so I'm not stuck by myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, probably Mike's internet went out, and I, he's he's the host, so that's probably why we had that little blurb there. Um, but in any case, um, I was going to say that you know the the you know, the stress. So privates are, are could be hurt the most by you know not getting these students who are bringing significant financial aid with them because, you know, that's better than having to just discount, discount, discount. And um, so I think even I noticed that, you know, the, where I was previously as a provost, Menlo College is really pushing to get students with things like Pell Grants and, and who are coming in with lots of aid um, because they're already discounting. But, the, you know, mm -hmm. it also drives me crazy. And we obviously we talked about this in our first show a couple months ago. Um, there's Mike. Yay. <laughs> Nothing to see here <laughs> about, your, about your live live cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we kept going. We're fine. Smooth. Uh, but <laughs> it's always, you know, we have a lot of fun. Here. We wanted to see. Wanted to see what it was. Uh, we were pranking Mark. We wanted to see uh, if, if Mark could uh, could land the plane. We wanted to see if you could land the plane, Mark. Yeah, that was um, that was a little bizarre. I have to say, <laughs> you're welcome. I was trying to you're welcome. I, yeah, I did improv for a couple of years. There you so go. This is there you go. It shows. 
<laughs> but anyway, we were, but we were, we were answering, you were answering a question. Uh, yeah. Apologies. Yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, talking about, um, so I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on privates because, um, you know, and I, this whole issue of pricing, I mean, I've talked to admissions, you know, people who are like, oh, we have to keep the price right you know, high because, you know, like you were saying, Mark, it's a, a measure of quality. But then, you know, as there's more, more and more pressure on enrollments, you know, that, you're not getting the best students, right? Because some of the best students can't afford to go to your mm -hmm. school if you don't reduce right. the price. So, right. you know, um, and like you said, Mark, you know, it's it's part of it's it's because of the way, the idiotic way we do it, where, you know, it's like buying a car. Everybody knows when you buy a car, um, you know, that you, you have to negotiate and, um, yeah. uh, you know, I you just have to, to figure out a way to do this where you're saying, okay, here's our real price. Mm -hmm. And if you need financial aid, you know, and they need to be more upfront about that because, you know, I'm, you know, I, in a, a couple of well, a couple years ago when I was getting my son ready to apply for schools, you know, I was, I was looking at the books and the websites and it doesn't say anywhere on, you know, they say, Oh yes, you can apply for financial aid. Blah, blah, right. blah. But, you know, we didn't know until we got our his admission into the school he's at now that even he got a, a you know, he, we didn't even do a FAFSA, but he, he did get a scholarship. Yeah. So it's like, OK, and for him, you know, his mother is, is knows too much. He's like, sorry, son, it's not a real scholarship. That's just a discount rate. <laughs> I shouldn't have told him that, but, you know, sorry, I'm a, I, 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 I have to keep it real. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But before we, I pass it off to Mark, you know, I just want to mention UT Austin um, has always had a pretty strong program to bring in um, students from low income areas. They mm -hmm. had the Longhorn Scholar problem, uh, program, which I used to run, and then it's transitioned now into a new program. And they were really smart and worked with um, Dell, the Dell Foundation, to yeah. bring in a big chunk of money to allow them to give more scholarships. So, so they actually increased the number of students who are getting Pell Grants. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the, the you know, the, the percentage of students getting Pell Grants or the number of students getting Pell Grants. That's like the rule, you know, you look at to see, you know, what are you really serving the state more broadly, yeah. you know, and UT Austin has had a bad reputation of not really serving the state more broadly, but that changed actually when they created the 10% rule, which means, you know, you're getting, and actually the interesting thing about that is even though it was designed to, to get diversity, it actually, you know, encouraged people from rural areas and areas that hadn't traditionally sent students to UT to go there. So it really diversified the student body yeah. in many more ways than just by race or ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. you want to and I'm not I'm not going to comment on how, uh, you know, also Austin is a is a great place to be if you're in Texas. Uh, yeah. So I could see why uh, folks who are in the know. But uh, but please, Mark, I'd uh, love to get some of your perspective on uh, on anything Terry was just talking about. Yeah, I th we we were actually talking about a different question, but a series of things happened in between the, when that question was asked and now, <laughs> including knocking the heck out of me and leaving me to run the show by okay, myself. Yeah. So, so why are you talking about <laughs> that then? That would, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I actually don't remember what the question was. <laughs> we were talking about Grinnell a little bit. I think right. we were talking about the loans. At right. The, that, so... Grinnell is not the first school to have done this. Um, the you know that and they they certainly were a school that has had the money to do it. Um, if people remember back um, fifteen years ago or so, there was a point at which Grinnell had more money in their endowment per student than any other institution in the country. Mm. Um, and uh, I think a faculty member there wrote a column that was in the Chronicle about what happens if you're actually too wealthy as a school. Like at some point, do you just stop charging anybody anything to go there? Hmm. Um, Grinnell didn't ultimately take that path, um, but they, um, they've had the money to do this and they have always been a school that sits in that pantheon of very elite, yep. you know, very selective schools but they don't have the fortune of being out in Southern California or on the coast in the Bay Area or in beautiful Western Massachusetts. Um, and they have always had to work a little bit harder to get that caliber student um, from m suburban areas, more populated parts of the country. Um, my bet is that 
as one of the things we've seen that students are less inclined to go farther away than they were, Grinnell is finding that they're going to have to find other ways to um, sweeten the pot a bit to get the same kind of students that they were getting before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Even in terms of your uh, example, Terry, you know, your, your son's in Portland, you know, like it's, it's like a it, regionally, he's not that far from, right. no, from where you are. Drive. You know, it's a long car drive, but yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because with my younger son, you know, before COVID I was thinking, Oh, you know, it'd be good to send him to the East coast. And now I'm like, no, you're staying yeah. on the West coast. You know, right. We're going to look at around here and um, I need you to be within a car's drive away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to also watch for um, like low residency programs is the other thing that I think is uh, a trend to keep an eye on. I remember I was uh, looking at uh, Goddard College, which is very small, but uh, but like their their whole approach is, uh, you know, shorter stints where everybody comes together. It's almost like you're, you're seeing that uh, that idea emerge now on the, the workforce side, too, where like if we're going to have, you know, a corporate headquarters, we're going to be much more intentional about when we need to bring people together, we will do it in a very sort of thoughtful way and then they'll disperse, you know, um, and even, you know, we did talk to um, uh, Dr. Corsi about his, about the ventilation and how we're thinking about uh, the, the design architecture of higher education, how that's all going to change. Um, you know, it is a, it is an interesting time to, to look ahead. You know, we're, we're both reflecting back on um, the, the fall semester, but I think in addition to Thanksgiving, I think people are starting to wonder about what 2021 mm -hmm. year is going to look like uh, for higher education. Um, either of you have any thoughts on, uh, on how it might, how it might proceed, you know, cause I was thinking the, how higher ed intersects with the administration of the vaccine uh, is a really interesting thing to keep an eye on because it does, you know, it's a population that could very likely be spreading the virus. Mm -hmm. And then generally they are somewhat controlled um, by the university and, and like the university has some responsibility for like healthcare, public health on campus. Um, I'm curious how that that'll intersect because that'll likely, you know, for, especially for the schools that are having some, you know, on campus um, stuff. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually saw something about this where there's an issue of, you know, are colleges going to require students to take the vaccination yeah. before they come to campus? And yeah. I remember when I was at UCLA or when I was in grad school back in the 90s, they actually and still yeah. I think they have a requirement that you have to get you have to up to date MMR and, yeah. and all, they, they check your vaccination records. And if you're missing any vaccinations, mm -hmm. you cannot register for classes until right. you get vaccinated. And so I think we're going to see that happen. And I'm curious if we're going to see any, you know, kind of anti-vaxxer movements or yeah. pushback on that, because mm -hmm. this is a little, you know, it's not, you know, like we don't require people to get the flu shot, even right. though people can die from it. Yeah. So and, then also, and then also the anti-vaxxers, uh, you would assume might also be the people who want to be in person. Like if you're, if you're anti-vaxxer and you're also um, doing entirely remote, and you're advocating for not being on campus, like that's at least a more like consistent position than to, <laughs> to, to be saying no vaccines and we have to do in person, uh, which is more the, I guess the herd immunity argument, which uh, but sadly is I guess still out there, but that's kind of what the vaccine does. But Mark, any uh, any thoughts uh, on, you want, you want, in addition to dropping the entire, uh, webcast onto you. We're also going to get your, your perspective on, uh, on 2021 and uh, where yeah, some of this know, stuff may be headed. You know, we know you have well, so, <laughs> medical expertise, but hey. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, I'm fresh out of leeches. So my medical knowledge really is, um, I, don't, I really couldn't say much about that. But, you know, it, so one thing is, just because a vaccine vaccine becomes available doesn't become a it becomes widely available, right? And mm -hmm. and um, how it gets disseminated and in what way are we that organized and when? 
so many unanswered questions there. Yeah. It's hard to sort of know how all of this will play out. A university could require students to get vaccinated and then those students can't because there's no place to go. Right. Right. Um, so so those issues are certainly still out there. I, I do think that the, the that there this trend that we saw um, with this most recent freshman class to start to think more about staying a little bit closer to home. I think that trend will continue. Yeah. Um, and I think that will continue to intersect with the, uh, I'm not paying $60,000 to go to a school where right. if I have to take the classes online, there's just no payoff there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, take that and intersect it with our, you know, seized up economy. And I, and I do think that there's some there's some real changes in this in the calculus that's in the typical family's head. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that's playing out, and I am I'm really curious to see how this plays out, is um, the proportion of students that are applying to college without submitting a test test score is through the roof. Yeah. Just through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, recent surveys in California were something like seventy percent. Which, wow. if it's California kids applying, that's fine because. But you still and and something like the number of applications so far at, from Common App data is down, but it's down in the single digit percentile, so yeah. like eight percent. That still means that there's a whole bunch of institutions that are going to get tens of thousands of applications for maybe three or four thousand spots, mm-hmm. and their method for sifting through those applications has really taken a hit because yeah. they no longer have that test score to, to lean on and cull that pile of applications. Yeah. And so I'm really curious to see how all of that then affects the way that those institutions process applications, the way the public responds to not being able to sort of find out yeah. if I got in or I didn't get in and how and what sort of calculations those individuals make in terms of all of the things that are going on in the public sphere that I just mentioned with the increased opacity of the application process. Um, I I think, I think that we could see some really interesting changes in, in institutions that have, that are, for example, regional public institutions that, have tr- have been struggling for enrollment for years, and all of a sudden, they're seeing a, a very robust class. Right. Well, I mean, also the online uh, side of this is also uh, going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, yeah. whether it's you know Western Governors or uh, Southern New Hampshire or uh, Arizona State, like the bigger, you know, just go online. There's a lot of that already was out there, but you know, particularly if you can reduce the cost of tuition, actually, like you know, cut cut the family a break to be intentional about going online, particularly for some period of time when they may prefer that option anyway. Uh, And then when you go online, can you actually go faster? Uh, Which is another, uh, I think we were talking to Brandon Bastide about that among others uh, earlier on, on this show. I do think it's, it's opening up some interesting questions, almost like the equivalent. It's not quite the equivalent of homeschooling, but it's like, you know, being intentional about the decision not to want to go to campus and then still trying to advance your your own sort of portfolio and your higher ability. Uh, you know, I, that does seem like a trend that caught some tailwinds uh, right. with, with the pandemic. Any, any perspective, uh, Mark, from you on that? Well, it's been 10 years since we started seeing books written about the unbundling, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's been a good 10 years of folks going, okay, when is that unbundling really going to play out? Right. 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 And I I think part of the reason why that didn't happen was because um, take your average person who's thinking about college or university, whether they're traditional or non-traditional and tell them, Hey, you can unbundle. And they, then they would say, Oh, how, what, right, what do right. I do? And how do I know? Cause eventually I have to have a degree from some institution Yeah, and there's no, no real certainty that that institution is going to exactly take the credit I bring to them. 
and put it in the spot that I need it to be in. Right. In fact, the reputation is often that institutions do the opposite, right? They just stick it into that general category so they can keep you around for another year. Um, and that sounded ultra conspiratorial. I'm very, very sorry to all the academic committees that have made choices otherwise over the last de- the years. Um, but um, what th- what COVID and the pandemic sort of did was it it made it possible for that little kid in the emperor's new clothes story to say he's naked and everybody else to go, yeah, he is naked. And what followed was a just sort of, hey, you know what? I guess we're sort of have to un- un- start unbundling and maybe that's not such a bad thing after all. Yeah. And might as well do it because what else are you going to do? So one of the things that you saw hidden in the reports from the student clearinghouse um, that was been, you know, really the best way to see how enrollments have been playing out now this fall is you see um, increase in the students taking classes from online universities and for profits. Mm-hmm. And you don't see nearly the same kind of drops in part time enrollments that you're seeing in full time. Right. And we I think we can figure out what's going on there. People are starting to say, well, all right, just take, I'll go part-time. I'll take a class. I'll do this other thing. Maybe I'll find a remote job somewhere as a telemarketer mm-hmm. and uh, manage through this thing. But as a function of that, I think that unbundling is now got some headwind or got some tailwind mm-hmm. uh, momentum that it just didn't have before. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why we see the rise in, you know, we've actually seen an increase in enrollment for for profits because you can go part time. Yep. And part of the problem with, you know, your typical uh, college campus is that you can't go part time. Right. <laughs> and you're expected to take a certain number. And actually, the, but the other component of that is, is it connects to financial aid. You know, you don't get as much financial aid if you, you know, or you sometimes don't get any financial aid if you, you decide to go part time. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of incentives. And I think that comes back to, to Terrence's comment where her, her friend was saying that um, COVID might accelerate, you know, people initially thought COVID was going to accelerate the popping of the higher ed bubble, but it might do the opposite and actually increase the number of people who are going after those scarce spots. But I don't know. I, I think that, um, you know, the smaller, you know, we've talked about this over and over, you know, that the small private liberal arts, the SPACs, yeah. yes. <laughs> going to, um, you know, be hurt badly by this. I think mm-hmm. you can see that in Grinnell's move to, you know, cut out loans. I think yeah. a lot of institutions are just holding their breath to see if they can get their students back on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I know here in the Bay Area, they they are dorms are not open um, except for a small number of students. And whereas you know, my where my son is, their dorms were seventy percent full. So they mm-hmm. didn't take big a hit, you know, financial hit is yeah. Uh, schools down the road from me mm-hmm. um, and schools that you know I, there's another uh, Palo Alto University is mostly focused on graduate education you know so there's schools that are surviving and actually may thrive in in this environment you know yeah. that, that on graduate level education that are allow students to go part-time and you know aren't going to cost an arm and a leg and, and you know all yeah. these different things and so and but, people are going to need to retool yeah, well, it's, exactly. You start thinking about the non-traditional learner, like that market is huge. And those people, many of them may be out of work or are, you know, their jobs shifting in ways that they're going to need to get more training to maybe, you know, hop into a new uh, field, maybe something that is more digital, you know, like who will be, will how will higher ed respond to that? And who else will be trying to respond to that? You know, what happens to the boot camps, many of whom, um, you know, the like data science and coding boot camps. Um, many of them had a, had a very, um, it was a boot camp. Like you're actually in the same physical environment um, as the people and it's intense, you know, six, eight weeks. Like that's not, not likely going to be uh, COVID safe, at least until the vaccine is widely out there. So how do all those, how do, how do those educational institutions pivot into online and you know how do because what i've seen around the adult learner too is that many of them are less interested in the full degree and are more interested in some kind of targeted certification or uh, a more like job readiness credential that will get them 
either employed or get them further along in in their career. Um, either of you have any perspective uh, on that? Go ahead, Mark. Fire away, Terry. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I do have a, a lot of perspectives on that because, um, part, you know, part of the issue is how do we get a lot of people who need to be reskilled through programs quickly and efficiently and um, at low cost, right? And that's why you've seen the rise of Southern New Hampshire and, and Western governors and yep. you know, some of the programs. And the other thing we're, I think the other thing we're going to see though is what we're seeing at ASG, which is the, the collaborations like between Amazon and and uh, you know Starbucks and and you mm -hmm. know the big employers saying, well, we're just going to work with you to educate the, you know because we need an educated workforce, so we're, we're going to bring them in and then educate them um, as they're still working. So yeah. I, I think you're going to see a lot of more trends in that direction. Um, but, you know, that doesn't, I mean, it, it's interesting because I try to overlay that on the broader picture and space of, of higher ed right now. And we're not there yet, right? ASU yeah. has always yeah. been in the lead on this stuff in Southern New Hampshire. I mean, we mm -hmm. keep saying these the same entities yeah. and, you know, Purdue's trying, but, you know, they're getting a lot of pushback for a variety of reasons. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're it, it's funny because I, I, I sometimes I laugh at the people who would say, oh, higher ed's over. I mean, they've been saying that for years and it's not. It's a very durable set of institutions. And be, it's because of our attachment to things like sports and, you know, the University of Iowa, yeah. you know, Stanford, you know, UCLA. Yeah. I mean, For they cultural, have a certain cultural significance. Yeah, they yeah. have extreme cultural significance. I mean, you know, you 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 know, I I'm a season ticket holder. To, I don't. We can't go now, of course, but to Stanford football games and mm -hmm. and you know, I I am sure my my sons will be attached to their institutions and whatever you know, and and so you know, if you think about how much. The, the money that goes into, mm -hmm. you know, maintaining this idea of, you know, the marketing, the, the you know, it's not just related to sports, but, you know, there, it's a machine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, we're going through a crisis, but it's not the first time, you know, higher ed has been through a crisis and it's right. not the last. And what is going to have to happen is we're going to have to learn from this crisis and figure out how do we prepare for this in a way that allows us to survive and thrive in this situation. And, you know, I think a lot of institutions are doing just fine. Actually, it's a lot better than we were expecting, right? With the, right. the enrollment drop-offs are not anywhere near what we were expecting. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I do think that there is a, a, a great amount of resilience out there because yeah. of, and it's not just because of the financials, it's because of the, the cultural place that higher ed has in so many communities. Yeah. Makes sense. Mark, I, I thank you, by the way, you've been very gracious, uh, yeah, staying on, staying on camera and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, even, uh, flying the plane briefly there. So thank you again for your service. But, uh, we, we also wanted to, uh, maybe I, Am I right in that you have some particular expertise around international students and trends in that space as well, or at least how that relates to tuition? I thought I heard that, or maybe I'm wrong. Well, I did I, I did spend a fair amount of my time as a researcher studying international education and internationalization, study abroad, those kinds of things. I may or may not have contributed to a book or two. Yeah. Um, good. Okay. So, so I, I wasn't wrong there. So, so that's good. And, no, then, no, yeah. and then like, how how does that factor into what we've been talking about or any perspective you might have on uh, obviously the ability to travel has been limited uh and likely for maybe the next year or so but you start looking at fall of 2021 um any perspective well, international student, yeah international student enrollment was just dropped off the the cliff um i think the number i saw was something like 43 percent down um which is just stunning. It's just a stunning number. Um, I, I have not seen how that broke down by graduate student or uh, undergraduate students breakdown, but um, a 43% drop is just massive. Um, mm -hmm. And inst the institutions that were really, you know, depending on 
um, higher paying international students have really suffered as a, because of that. But it's institution, um, international students are not equally distributed across institutions by any means. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where there's a lot of institutions that don't have very many international students or the ones they do, they gave them big discounts just like everybody else. And so um, doesn't it didn't really play out. But I, I do think we to play the role that we've played as a country internationally, as a place to go for higher education for people all across the world, um, that that place was already slipping. Mm-hmm. And now I think if 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 we if we want to return to that, um, we are in a world of hurt yeah. um, because so many other institutions around the world are seeing uh, their opportunity, have already been taking that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there's some real growth amongst the English speaking or teaching in English institutions across the Commonwealth and across mm-hmm. the European Union mm-hmm. um, that have started to aggressively recruit in the United States for undergraduates. And for example, in your neck of the woods, Mike, um, you know, the University of Dublin or yep. Cardiff, in Wales, says to a student, well, if you want to go to college in California or you want to college, go to college here, yeah. um, it's the same distance. In, in you know essentially right yeah. you have to fly either way right and um, we can give you a bachelor's degree in three years for a fraction of the cost it would cost you to go to school out in California for four right um, what are you waiting for right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's got some legs totally and well especially institutions yeah especially to the the cultural significance piece like if you're studying abroad, that is a pretty profound experience. So, you know, I think a lot of parents and young people can get behind that proposition in terms of the return. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, they will have organized sports. It'll just be like, you know, cricket right, and right. curling, right. up, curling Australian well, rules. No, what's so interesting, you point that out, but what's so interesting is like, is that those schools are now, their their sales pitch is almost flipped so that they're sort of depending upon, they're, they're sort of banking on the hom- homogeneity of culture, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've got McDonald's, we have got Kentucky Fried Chicken, we've got, um, you know, yeah. whatever store yeah. you've heard of, right? Um, you can get Amazon in, in Cardiff, Wales, just like you can get right. Amazon in New York City. Yeah. So what's the difference? Right. And, I- and that whole thing sort of flipped on its head, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a, that's, that's a really interesting evolution. Yeah. Well, and also you imagine there, the things that appeal are like access to Taco Bell, high-speed internet. You know what I mean? Like, and then like as parents or folks further along in our lives, it's like, and you'll be, you know, and in right. your- the, the drinking age is lower. <laughs> oh, there you right. go. There you and go. Your balance is better, right? So, oh my god. Um, but I mean, this is where your head explodes when you start talking about going to a Welsh Taco Bell, right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. These are these are trends now in in higher education internationally. You know, the gap year thing. I don't know that it really did become what some folks were writing that it would become this last yeah. year, mm-hmm. um, because it was sort of well, where are you going to go? Right. Um, and we're still and, in the know, middle. We're still kind of in the middle of it. Too, you know, right. like, how, what are people? I don't think the jury. I don't think people know exactly what folks who have chosen to take an alternative path are doing just yet. Like that research yeah. is still right. coming in, uh, and it looks like it may just be the really the, you know, again getting back to the good news at the top around the vaccines. Like it may be that by fall of 2021, there's a new normal that's a little more like the old normal than everything we're going to experience right through the spring. Uh, into the summer. That seems like that's the most favorable. T- like it's not going to go any faster than that. Like if you got to imagine the, right. the the early terms in 2021 are going to be fraught uh, mm-hmm. just because it's going to be such a confusing time, not to mention the rollout of the vaccine, uh, which you touched on a, a bit, Mark, is just going to be who knows what it's going to be. Um, and then Terry, like, you know, we're, we're going to be, I think we're going to take a couple weeks off. We're going to come back on uh, December 9th, we were saying, uh, but any perspective from you as a, our, our resident uh, political scientist around where uh, where some policy may happen or anything politically that you want to uh, put yourself out there and say you expect these things to happen 
Um, <laughs> Eddie, do we, do we, are, are we going to have faithful electors? You know, like what's, yeah. what's, well, what's going on? I, Joe Biden <laughs> is going to get inaugurated on January 20th and mm. Donald Trump is going to make it as difficult as he possibly can between mm. now and then, because yeah. that's just the way he is. And, um, you know, we're going to have a smooth, we won't have as smooth a transition as we would like, but it will happen. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think the interesting thing, you know, I just was, uh, so I got the letter from the president of Lewis and Clark College as a parent of a student there, and he was talking about the impact of uh, the a Biden administration. And, you know, actually for me, uh, one of the things that's going to impact is, you know, and for not just me personally, but you know, campuses across the nation have been worried about this executive order around diversity yeah. training, mm -hmm. and that's something that's going to go away um, yeah. immediately. I expect it to be one of the first uh, executive mm -hmm. orders will be to to get rid of that executive order yeah. <laughs> because we're in a situation where that's actually a critical thing. We need diversity training, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Biden this administration, I can't imagine they would con even consider keeping that in place. Um, yeah. It's ridiculous, and in and if, you know, the only reason there haven't been lawsuits against it is because people were waiting to see if Biden won and because you could easily you know put out some lawsuits against that and it would get struck down like right. so many of the other executive orders have, including mm -hmm. today on immigration or mm -hmm. either yesterday or today on immigration. Um, yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, before I, we go, I, you know, I just want to take a couple minutes. That I just saw the announcement. I posted it in the, the link in the um uh, chat is that uh, New York school, public schools are shutting down. Um, yep. And and so that means that we're going to see a lot. It's basically, you know, New York is the canary in the coal mine um, in so many ways. And so mm -hmm. I think we're just going to see that sweeping across the country. It's interesting. I was on a uh, or I, I was talking uh, somewhere and somebody was saying, oh, Biden's going to shut down the country. And I was like, no, he's not, <laughs> first of all, because by the time he gets into office, it'll be right. too late. Mm -hmm. And secondly, <laughs> we're going to see that at the state level. Um, yeah. you know, and what Biden is saying is he's going to do a, he's going to mandate masks. But by the time again. By January 20th, right. if Iowa is mandating masks, you know, yeah. maybe South Dakota won't. But. You know, I think everybody is going to be mandating masks by January right. 20th and he won't even have to do anything. So I think, yeah. you know, the nice thing that is going to change and is starting to change is we're going to see what we need desperately. And that comes back to your point earlier, Mark, where people from Illinois were just popping over the border into Iowa, right, to go party. And I think yeah. what we're going to have to see is the a, a coordinated effort of saying no you know shelter in place in your own yeah. home for two weeks so we can get a hold on a hold on this thing right and that doesn't mean a complete shutdown it just mm -hmm. means don't travel right you know just stay in your local community it's like watch watch some netflix you know yeah. order, order some delivery yeah. and and get over yourself you right. know for, for assuming you can do that not everyone has those things yeah. that they're but right. if you can if you can order in a little bit and watch some hopefully sports is still there that's the thing and it looks like the and the nba draft is tonight's so like there there'll be programming diversions uh you know yeah, nfl is gonna keep going yeah some of the college that <laughs> we've seen so many games get canceled in college football i don't know what's gonna happen but yeah um you know i i do think that we're going to see um you know it's it's, it's getting we're at that critical point where we have to do something now it's gonna be yeah. we wait until january 20th yeah <laughs> And we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back again in December, right? December 9th, I think we were saying. Well, we're gonna take uh, Thanksgiving week off and then get organized coming back. The so the week of the ninth. Uh, sorry, Wednesday the ninth. Two weeks from, three weeks from today. Three weeks yeah, from today. today. Three weeks from today. We'll be back, and uh, there'll be lots of stuff. Maybe we'll we'll have another uh, willing victim yeah. like uh, yeah. like Mark get uh, get volunteered uh, in Mark thanks again for joining uh, really appreciate your perspective that was fun we hadn't we never did that before so thank you uh, thank you for your for hopping on yeah I have been a guinea pig for so many things but that's probably more than I should have shared on on a live internet. <laughs> indeed yeah and uh, I guess I guess we're good then Terry any 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 final uh, closing thoughts from you? No, I just, I would say, um, you know, if you have ideas or thoughts, please uh, share them with us. You know, we're, we're always looking for interesting topics and things that uh, people are, you know, want to hear from us. So, yeah. Um, and remember, remember self-care self over the holidays and hopefully yes. you can, uh, you know, let the people you know 
know you appreciate them. I'm, I'm very thankful for this show, Terry. This has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it uh, on the other side. And uh, and hopefully everyone stays safe and uh, we come back in a few weeks to uh, a, a, a good show. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks, all. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.